0: All right. This morning we have an opportunity to uh, continue our worship and studying of God's Word, and so I'm going to ask that you would take out uh, your Bible or electronic device and turn with me to the book of First Timothy. The book of First Timothy. We're actually going to begin. We're going to begin today, uh, chapter six, and uh, we will conclude our series next Sunday. But I'm excited we get a chance to uh, diving into God's Word now together. As you're turning to 1 Timothy chapter 6, I've got a question for you. How do you respond to authority? Think about that for a second. I mean, naturally, there, there are two types of people, right? There's usually not people in the middle. There's either people that respond to authority and they're ready to submit. Like, okay, I can trust people. I understand. And they're, they're naturally submissive to authority. But then there are those that are highly resistant to authority, right? Don't, you're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to think. Don't tell me where to go, where to be. I want to ask you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to answer that question in your own heart. Are you naturally resistant to authority or are you someone that's more bent towards being submissive to authority? Think about that just for a moment. Because that is the question of the day as we look at to the text uh, this morning as we're continuing our series, as we're taking a look at this letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to Timothy who's pastoring the church in Ephesus as Paul is giving Timothy instructions of how to organize the church, how the church is supposed to operate inside of this new family, this new community. And today Paul is continuing to, to talk about how we treat one another inside of the family of God. And he's chapter 6, even though it says it's a new chapter, this is not actually a a new thought, but it's a continuation from chapter 5. And so Paul's walking into, as we took a look at chapter 5, that inside of the church we're called to honor and respect one another. And then he calls out specific people that were called to honor and respect inside the church. First, two weeks ago, we took a look at the fact that we're called to honor and respect widows inside of the church. We're to care for one another well and to care specifically for widows. And last week, we talk, uh, took a look at how we're called to honor and respect the leaders in the church, those elders and those pastors. And today, as we're gonna come and look at the text, we're gonna see that God continues to call us as we live in this community of faith, that we're called to honor those in authority over us. So for some today, you're gonna hear this teaching and you're like, okay. That's cool, I got this. Right? You, you're naturally, uh, you have a disposition that is willing to follow authority. You have no problem, push. You, you don't desire to push back against authority. But for some of you, those of you that don't like authority, this may be very difficult for you. And so I want to encourage you to think deeply about the word of God that he himself has given instructions to us and allow his word to challenge us and change us today I'm not sharing with you my opinion today I'm sharing with you the instructions that God has given us as believers as followers of Christ how we are to respond to one another specifically how we are to respond to those in authority over us let me remind you what Paul has already told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. He says this, Paul says, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. See, what Paul has already told us in the very, very first chapter is that we are called as followers of Christ to give honor and respect to God above all others. Our allegiance, our affections, our willingness to be submissive in all things is to God and to God alone. So we are called to honor and respect God above all others. This is how we practice or how we walk out our faith is by trusting in God and giving him respect and honor. So as we give God ultimate honor, we're going to see today that we're also called to honor and respect those that are in authority over us. Because ultimately, God is an authority over all things. And so even though authority is something we all have to deal with, we all have a certain amount of authority that has been given to us, but there's always someone in authority over us. And ultimately, if you follow that chain of command, at the top of all of that is God himself. So we live orderly and we live seeking to honor the Lord as we honor those that are in authority over us. Today, as we look at God's word, we're going to see that Christians... Under authority, serve a higher authority. So ultimately God is the ultimate authority that we follow as we follow those that are in authority under God. And today we're going to see specifically in verse 1 and verse 2, two areas or two groups of how we're supposed to respond in authority over them. First, as we jump into uh, chapter 6 verse 1, the first thing that we're going to see Is how we are to live in authority towards those that are non-Christians. And we're going to see that we're to show honor for the sake of the gospel. So for those that are in a place in authority in our lives that are non-Christians, we're supposed to show honor to them for the sake of the gospel. Look with me in verse 1, and you can see how Paul writes this out. Paul says, let all who are under authority, under a yoke of bondservants, regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. So Paul, right out of the gate. He's jumping into it and telling us and communicating that those who are under the yoke of bondservants, I'm going to explain that in a moment, under their masters, their masters that don't know the Lord, how are we to respond we're supposed to give those masters all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Now I understand uh, this text in uh, the culture to which it was written, and the culture that we live in today may be a little bit different. and the words here mean different things than maybe we have in our own understanding. So I want to explain to you, as Paul is addressing to the church at Ephesus, The context and the culture of the day are different to the context and the culture of our day. So when we come to this text today and we see this idea of bondservant. Now I want to understand your version, your English translation may say the word slave. Well the ESV writers uh, understood the very difference of how our culture understands the understanding of slavery. Many times when we hear the word slavery, we go back to the 19th century in America, and we see the practice of slavery in the United States, and that's what we think in our minds. And so the the translators of the ESV wanted to make a distinction of that because the understanding of slavery in Paul's day and in the culture of of Ephesus was not exactly, it's not a one-to-one connection of how we understand slavery. So that's why the ESV writers, uh, translators, have... I have taken the word slave and translated it bondservant so that we would understand there is a slight difference. So nevertheless the true understanding of being a bondservant did under, was the understanding of of someone was a person was owned as property Um, of the master or the slave owner. So the bondservant was property of the master. So that, in in that way, is very similar, but that's where it begins to, from that point, it begins to differ. You see, slavery or being a bondservant in Paul's day was a social reality that ruled the day. And Paul in this text is not condoning slavery, but he's helping believers who have come to trust in Christ, who are children of God. He's teaching them and teaching them how to interact inside of the cultural reality that they lived in. And so we see how our faith challenges us how we live in the midst of social realities. And in Paul's day, there are two main ways that you would become a slave. Really, there's only two ways that you become a slave. The first way that you become a slave is if you became a prisoner of war. Right? During this time, the, the Roman Empire was still expanding. And as they were conquering new people, when you were a conquered person, you would immediately become, especially if you were in the military, you would become a prisoner of war. And you would become a slave or a bondservant of the Roman government. So that's one way you would come into slavery. The second is if you were a prisoner of poverty. If you uh, lived your life and you, you came to a place of where you were destitute or you needed more money, you could sell yourself into slavery or becoming a bondservant. And you were pretty much well cared for in many ways. You could still um, own land. You could still own property. You could still have a name for yourself. But as a bondservant, you would serve until your debt was paid off. Or you would serve and, and be cared for. If you couldn't care for yourself, you could enter into slavery so that you could be a, a, be well cared for. And sometimes, even back in the day, parents would sell their children to be bond servants so that they could have money to survive. Different culture, different understanding, different time. Not right, necessarily, but it's the way in which culture was communicated at the time. It's estimated in the Roman Empire during this time there were between 50 and 60 million slaves. So as as many as one-third of the population would, spe- specifically in large cities like Rome, Corinth, and Ephesus, one-third of the population were slaves. So as, as Paul is writing to Timothy, this is an ever-present reality. It could be that even though as slavery is entering into the culture and as people are becoming believers and the church is growing, it's estimated that even a third of the congregation inside of Ephesus were slaves. And so it's an ever-present reality that, again, Paul is not saying it is right or it is wrong. Paul is just saying that as this reality is in our social construct, this is how you are to live. So there was tension inside the, the church in Ephesus. You see, bond servants were often tempted to fight against the authority of their owners. Just as we see in the world today. Right? Some, some want to take this passage and this understanding of, of master and slave. And we want to make it a completely quick application to our day. And to say, well, Paul is specifically talking about, um, if we were to apply it to today, to the boss uh, employee relationship. And yeah, there is some application to that, but more directly what Paul is talking about is anyone that's an authority over us. That's at the heart of the teaching of this text. How is it that we are to respond as believers? How do we take our Christian faith and how do we live it out in, re- in the aspects of those that have authority over us? And so just as in Paul's day, there were... Um, Believers that were walking through life trying to to push back against their uh, earthly authorities. Those bondservants that wanted to push back against the authority of their masters. Paul calls them to honor and acknowledge the authority which they find themselves in. Paul instructs them to live under a yoke of a bondservant. Now this is an illustration of how they are to respond to their master. A yoke was a wooden frame that would be placed on the ox or be placed on some other animal that would be used to pull or to do the work for the master. So the farmer or the one that was in charge would put a yoke on the neck so that they could plow and so they could pull carts. And so in that way, they were bound to work for the master. Now, as I said, that this is not a direct one-to-one correlation between boss and employee, um, or owner and employee in the world today, um, because it's a little bit different in that, in the sense of being being bonded, being a bond servant in the yoke of slavery, it's different. For you, as an employee, can leave your job at any time. Right? You, you can go find a different job, you can quit, you can move on, and you can do different things. Being a bondservant in the yoke of slavery means that under this authority structure, you have to remain. You can't just quickly leave it. You have to stay in it. So it's different than the way that we understand the boss-employee uh, relationship. But this application that we see is that there are certain authority structures in our lives that we can't simply walk away from. Right, We are under judicial authority in our nation. There, there are laws that we must abide by, we must submit to, or receive punishment. You can't just say, okay, I, today I, I, I don't, I, I'm in need, so I'm going to go into Walmart and I'm going to take food that I need. No, you can't just do that. Right? Because there's authority that we live under that we must walk, walk through. So there's judicial authority, there's political authority. Right? There there are people that are making policies and laws that, that have implication in our lives that we can't just throw off and say, you know what, I'm just not gonna do that. There's other authorities, there's police in our lives right God has given them to help us uh, live under the authority and try to abide by the rules you can't if you're driving down the highway and you're speeding you get pulled over you can't look at the police officer and say hey man you're not the boss of me you can't do that I mean you can right you surely can but there's going to be repercussions for that right we're we're called to respect those that are put in authority over us this is the issue that Paul is getting to He's trying to get to our hearts of how we respond. Because again, be reminded that the authority that's been placed in your life is placed there by God, whether they're good or bad. right? Whether whether you agree with the laws of the land or not, some laws may be good, some may be bad. Whether you agree with the political leaders in our lives, whether they're good or they're bad, or or whether you even believe in, in, in police or other authorities. In the classroom, whether you agree with your teacher or not, or in your workplace, if you have a good boss or a bad boss, it doesn't matter. Our response is not based on who, or on what they do, but our response to them is based on who they are. They're our authority. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that we are called to honor Masters that masters are worthy of all honor, which this word honor literally just means respect. We don't have to like them, but we have to respect them. We have to make sure that with our words and with our action, we're giving them honor. We're not seeking to try to despise them or to bring them down, but we're seeking to honor them. And why do we do this? Paul says, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. When we honor those that are in authority over us, we are being obedient to God himself. Because God and his teaching, the name of God, is lifted high when we respect those that are in authority over us. But when we don't respect those that are in authority over us, when we seek to bring their demise or we seek to speak badly about them, what happens is that our teaching becomes reviled. Reviled. The way we respond to those that are authority over us can hurt our witness. And this is what Paul's getting to. Our witness is important. We don't live in an, an island unto ourselves. We live as children of God, and we are res- representatives of God to this world. And it's important how we respond. Now, I have the wonderful privilege of being a high school cross-country coach. And one of the greatest things that I love doing is, is sending the kids out on a run. And many times I will say, okay, today it's your opportunity to go out and run six or seven miles, sometimes eight, nine, ten miles. And I'll send them out, and I love watching them run. But I also love sending them out and being able to sit down. And just enjoy a fall day, you know, when the the colors start changing and the leaves and the the breeze is a little bit brisk. I just love it. And And then, you know, an hour, 25 minutes later or so, they come running back and their faces are all red. That is, like, joyful to me. I'm like, you did it. Good job. I've been where you are. I no longer have to do that. I get to do that, but I no longer have to do that. But that brings me joy, right? When they, when they do what they're told, when, when as their coach I give them instructions and they go out and do that. But you know what makes me so mad? This happened one time this fall. I sent them out on a run and I was like, you know what? I just don't feel like something's off today. Something's not right. So I get in my car and I drive the path that they're supposed to be running. And guess what I find? Them walking. I was like, if I had hair, I would pull it out. I was so mad. I was so infuriated. I just gave them simple, simple rules. Like, like I, this isn't going to make me better. I'm not trying to make myself better. I'm trying, as your coach, I want to make you the best runner that you can be. I've given you simple instructions. Just go run. Oh, my coach, it's so hot today. Ugh. Whenever they give you the uh, then you know they're like, total Disrespect. Right, and I felt that. And what does that do? It makes me so angry. Made me want to just quit. Just say, I'm doing all of this stuff for you, and yet you couldn't even respond with respecting and honor the authority of my life and your life. Right? We, we, We know we know what it is to honor those that are in authority over us, right? We also know that we can easily come up with excuses of why we shouldn't honor. The authority that's over us—we're so easy and so quick to just say, "What you know? What I don't want to do that today. I, I, I don't want to like fill out that report. You know what? I I don't want to honor. I don't want to honor the political leaders in my life. I don't want. I just don't want. I I don't agree. They tell me to do things. I just don't want to do it. We're so quick to want to to put it aside. And to not honor the authority that is over us. Maybe you struggle to respect those that are in authority over you. Because you don't believe they've earned your respect. Maybe you find it hard to honor the superior in your life. Because they're not an honorable person. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we feel about people. Ultimately, all authority in our life is placed there by God Himself. And our response is to honor those in authority over us. So let me ask you this question How do you speak about those that are above you? Do you honor and respect with your words and your attitudes? Do you speak positively to your other co workers? The way we respond to non-Christian authority above us shows how we honor and respect them. We respond the way that God calls us to respond for the sake of the gospel. Remember, we're, we're at the, the level at which we're living is so much higher than the present, The way that we're called to live is so much higher than what we think. We're we're not living for this kingdom, right? We're not living for the United States to prosper. We're living so that the king of kings and lord of lords may be honored and worshipped by everyone. That's what we're doing. That's our job. That's our role. That's our responsibility. We are bearers of the gospel in the world. The unbelieving world is looking to us to see how we respond to the authority that's placed over us. And either we're speaking highly of our king or we're making a mockery of our king. church we're called to serve well under the authority that God has placed over us so this applies to where we work this applies to where we worship this applies to where we live and children it even applies inside of the home inside of the home your parents are your authority So even if you don't like their rules, even if you don't like the the, the teachings that they're giving you, the the restrictions that they place on your life, I'm sorry. You do well to live under the authority of your parents and obey. All right, Paul goes on. He first talks about how we're responding in relationship to those that are in authority over us, that are unbelievers. But then he transitions in verse 2 of how we're supposed to respond towards Christians. And this is what he said, or this is the teaching we're going to see. They were called to serve better, to bless spiritual family. Look with me in verse 2. He says, those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good services are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. So what was happening inside of the church at this time is those that were in the the church in Ephesus were tempted to be disrespectful. So so if you, inside of the church, you had a a master that was a believer and you had a bondservant that was a believer, there was this this temptation for the bondservant to be disrespectful to the master because there was this understanding that at the foot of the cross there's a level playing field. And so the bondservant was like, hey, I, you're my master, but you're also my brother, so, so we're brothers. So I don't have to do what you tell me to do, because we're brothers. You're supposed to love me. I'm going to love you, but I don't have to do what you tell me to do. Right? And this is what Paul is getting at here. He's saying, no, no, no. Again, he's not making a, an affirmation of this cultural uh, uh, lifestyle. But what he's saying is, because this is the cultural reality, this is how you are to live. You are to respect. Even though you're brothers in Christ, even though at the foot of the cross, it's a level playing field, you are equal in the sight of God. You still have responsibility to submit to one another and submit to those that are in authority over us. Instead, he goes on, not only are you to respect them, but rather you must serve all the better. You must give them double honor. It's this idea of one-upping your goodness to the one that's in authority over us. See, in our world, we understand this idea of one-upping, right? If someone does something, uh, keeping up with the Joneses, if your neighbor gets a new car, you have to get uh, that, that new car with more upgrades, right? We, whatever, whoever someone does something good, we got we to gotta do it better, and we one-up one another in, in the sense of competition, That's not how it's supposed to happen inside the church. Inside of the church, especially those that are in authority over us, we're supposed to live in in such a way to make their lives better, make their lives sweeter, make their lives easier, so we give of ourselves, we sacrifice of ourselves for the betterment of them And in this way, we're to do this in context of this passage. We're to do this for the widow. We're to do this for the elder. We're to do this for the master. Christians must honor others. And when we honor those that are in authority over us that are our believers, we're actually honoring God. I love how Paul writes in in Romans. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Then he goes on and says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Like the disposition of our hearts towards one another should be, I want to show you more honor. I want to show you more honor. I want to show you, no, you take this. I want to honor you. I wonder. We should outdo one another in doing good. This outdoing is so counterintuitive and it's so countercultural. It's not based in competition, but it's based in the benefit of those that are our brothers. In essence, what Paul is calling us to do is to follow the example of Jesus. This is what Paul writes in Philippians. As he's instructing the church, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. So he's given this teaching, but then gives us the example. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, "Is outside of a relationship with Christ. You can't do this. It's impossible for you to show honor to other people in this way apart from your relationship in Christ. But he says now that you are in Christ, you have the possibility of doing things without selfish ambition. You can do things in humility. You can count others as worthy of yourselves because you are secure in Christ. And why is this important? Because then Paul goes on and gives us the example of exactly what Christ has done In verse 6 he says, Who, being Christ, though in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why are we called to live this way? We're called to walk in the way of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus emptied himself, who was fully God. In the the context of heaven prior to coming to earth, he was constantly being worshipped. He was at the right hand of the Father, sitting there, being honored and glorified over and over and over again. And yet, because he loved us, caused him to sacrifice himself. He emptied himself, took on the likeness of man, and became obedient to death. Even death on the cross, so that you and I might be saved. See, Jesus isn't calling us to do anything that He didn't do Himself. But we live in this way, we give of ourselves. And as followers of Jesus, we're not to be disrespectful, we're not to be dishonorable. And it's difficult for us to, to really try to apply this today because we'd live in a different context. We have freedom, right? The the believers in Ephesus didn't have as much freedom as we have, right? We have the power to vote. We get a chance to choose those that will be in authority over us. The, the, The Ephesians didn't have that. The emperor was the emperor. You didn't get a chance to go vote. You didn't get a chance to have any of that freedom, but we do. And so in our way, in some ways, it's a little bit more difficult for us because we're like, well, how do I navigate this thing called freedom, by still being respectful, by still honoring. Do due process, right? Vote, go to the polls and vote when it's your time to vote. Make your voice known because you have it. Serve in city council, serve in, in, in politics, serve in those places where you have the opportunity to make change, but do it Respectfully. In the places that we are to be honored, if you're in authority over people, make sure that you're a good manager of that. Right? Parents, be good parents. Bosses, be good bosses. Be people that your people that are following you want to follow. If you have any type of authority in all the areas you have, be good without authority. But at the same time, as we're under authority, we're called to be respectful. We're called to follow. And we're called to allow our witness to show our faith who is in Christ. So how are you doing? In your workplace, how are you doing at showing honor? Do you show respect to the God-given authority that's over you? Do you, do you speak well of your boss when they're not around? Do you work Well, when your boss isn't around? How about in politics? Do you honor and respect those political authorities that are placed over our lives? Even those you disagree with? Can the words that you say and the things that you communicate to other people, if there, there was an investigator, an honor investigator... That came into your life and looked at your uh, your social media posts, your conversations at the water cooler, uh, just even your conversations in your family. If there was an investigator that came and looked at all the words that you said, would they be able to say this person respects the king? This person respects those that are in authority over them. What about in the church? How how do you respond to the spiritual authority that's been placed over your lives? Do you submit? Do you speak well of your church? See, as followers of Christ, we continue to understand that we are under the authority of a higher authority. So as we come now to a time of responding to God's word, maybe there's some business you need to do between you and the Lord. Maybe as we sing uh, this closing song and as the worship team comes, maybe instead of singing these words, you might need to just have a moment of humble reflection where before the Lord, you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way that I've disrespected those that are in authority over me. Or, or, Or maybe in this moment, you you have begun, your eyes have been opened to see the beauty of the gospel and maybe your response today is just to believe in Jesus as your Savior. You can do that today. Because he is our our ultimate authority because he's done the work of bringing us salvation. So as we come to our time of response, let us not just be hearers of the word today, but let us be doers. Let's pray. Father, Father, I know for some, your word today has been easy to hear. But I also know for today, your words may be very difficult. And though there's implication and application from your word today in all areas of our lives, Father, I pray today that you would help us be reminded that you call us to live in this way. Even when we don't like it. Father, even though as we live in a world and in a culture that seems as though it's running out of control, and it seems as though our faith and the things that we hold dear, the deep doctrines of our lives, it seems like our world is pushing back against them. And in our hearts, we want to fight, and in the right ways, we should. Father, you have given us a voice, and I'm thankful for the freedom that we have in this country so that we can have a voice. Let us not lay down in this season. But Father, help us to do what you've called us to do with honor and respect. Father, this is a season in history where we, as your children, have to get this right. So, Father I pray deeply that you give us deeper convictions so that we would know how to walk in a way that honors and glorifies you and exemplifies the gospel so now Father as we sing may we be reminded of our worship is to you and to you alone and if we need to take care of business in these moments Father may we bow our knees before you